Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today, we are talking to an amazing company, actually, the CEO and founder of an amazing company that is called Shell Games. And if you listen to the podcast a lot, you know that I'm a massive fan of anything that really is pushing the envelope and increasing access as well as, as, well as fun, as well as entertainment. Uh, while we teach because at the end of the day, and I know this from personal experience, both being a teacher and a tutor and creating lots of content myself, if you make it engaging, if you make it interesting and fun, you sort of take out, uh, you know, a lot of things just start to happen organically in terms of turning the brain on and, and getting people engaged and excited about learning all sorts of subjects. And of course, that's always my mission in math. So we are talking to Shell Games. And what is Shell Games? Shell Games is the largest full-service education and entertainment game development company in the United States. Since 2002, they have worked to create interactive experiences on every platform to enrich the lives of players of all ages. Projects in our award-winning portfolio range, from their portfolio, excuse me, range from mobile, desktop, and virtual reality games. Okay. Uh, And the the gentleman we're talking to today is Jesse Shell. He's the founder and CEO of Shell Games, hence the name. Um, Jesse, uh, since he started Shell Games in 2002, Jesse has grown it into the largest full-service education entertainment company, entertainment game development company in the U.S. He is also the author of the critically acclaimed book, The Art of Game Design, A Book of Lenses. Without further ado, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. So tell us a little bit, sounds like, I mean, you, you've done so many things in this industry just just so people get an idea, and I, I, I want to get an idea myself, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you found yourself here today? Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up always interested in uh, entertainment of all kinds, especially digital entertainment. I would uh, pursued uh, degrees in computer science, ended up working at places like IBM and Bell Labs, but then later was able to get a position at Walt Disney Imagineering working at the virtual reality studio in the, uh, in the 90s and worked on that, started working on massively multiplayer games for Disney, uh, like Toontown Online. And in 2002, ended up leaving Disney to go teach at Carnegie Mellon University at the Entertainment Technology Center. And along the, alongside of that, I started up a small studio, which was just myself and a handful of people, which was Shell Games. And so I've been teaching at Carnegie Mellon for maybe, uh, I guess, 18 years now. Um, but uh, Shell Games was always about entertainment games initially. But over time, I guess my involvement in education, people kept approaching us about, hey, what about, uh, would you be interested in an educational game project? And I kept thinking, why don't they just go to the people who are the real experts in this? And I started looking around and realizing there were very few educational game studios, and a lot of them, their work wasn't always the best. And we realized, well, this is a real opportunity. If we could get really good at this, um, we could do a real service to the world, and also it could uh, be a, a helpful line of business for us. So we started doing, I would say about 10, 12 years ago, we started doing educational games, and we found out we really we really liked it. We were really good at it. 
Um, and so we've done uh, a wide variety of them, everything from uh, preschool games like the Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood Games to um, things that were kind of adult training like the Night Shift Game, which is training ER doctors to be better at dealing with trauma cases and everything in between. We've done games for junior high, high school students. Um, so we've, we've uh, really explored the, the boundaries of what's possible with educational gaming. I think that's absolutely true. I've had a few video game uh, education video game companies on, and I de- I, there's definitely been that gap. There's a really interesting company. They made a game called Variant that has to do with calculus, and they actually – it sounds similar to what you guys have done in the sense of, hey, we're an actual game studio. We know how to make really good games. You have great, you have great experience at Disney. So I'm sure all those things came together to make really, really powerful educational games, which is what we need. We need – good solid products to really engage and engage the kids and let's go back so you, you mentioned some of the products for middle school and high school kids tell us a little bit um, uh, more about those and some of the subject areas that you that your games cover yeah so let's see over the years we've done a number of things we um we'd worked with a company amplify learning for a period that was very focused on junior high games and we uh we ended up making several games for them the biggest one was a thing called lexica which was um all about getting junior high kids engaged in reading. So it was like a giant RPG that was all centered on literature and, uh, and, and reading. Lately, we've been doing a lot of um, things for junior high and high school in the VR space, and some of those have been in the science space. One of our well-known ones is a game called Happy Atoms, which is um, actually a physical kit. You buy it uh, as, a, as a science kit, and it uh, lets you build... Uh, molecules with your hands, you know, out of these sort of atomic models, and then you point your your camera at it, snap a picture, and it'll do an analysis, a visual analysis of it, and tell you which molecule you built. And it can identify 17,000 different molecules. And it's kind of uh, got a Pokemon structure, kind of a got a catch them all structure, so it constantly gives you quests to go and discover new kinds of molecule. So that was that was a really fun one. And that one's been great because it's been successful both in the home and in the schools so and and let's talk about uh, i actually want to talk about lexco as well but just really quickly when you you when you make a product like this that obviously <clears throat> has it 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 bases implications for chemistry and, and perhaps AP chemistry classes. Is there any, have yeah. you guys noticed any connection between students who play this game and preparation for these advanced placement tests or things like that? Uh, so we haven't done a formal study about preparation for advanced placement tests, certainly with, uh, with happy Adams. That's an interesting question. One of the things that's really hard figuring out these games is, um, uh, what the schools want most is something that snaps into their curriculum very easily, where they can say, well, we have been doing it this way, now we'll do it this way, and it meets all the curricular goals. And um, that can be a real challenge, uh, because not every game fits in that way. So as an exa- Happy Adams is a real interesting example that way, because what we found developing Happy Adams is that it's a great way for for students who want to explore chemistry deeply on their own at a younger age than you'd normally teach chemistry, it works great for that. But generally that's not, um, that's not an interest to the schools because it's just, it's, it's kind of outside the curriculum, the curriculum for, um, for, for junior high and high school chemistry often gets 
fairly thin because they only have so much time. And here we have a way to, for students to explore more deeply. So that ends up sometimes being uh, a little bit of a, of a conflict. But I contrast that with, for example, the HoloLab champions that we've developed. It was designed very much to fit into a high school curriculum because it helps uh, establish lab skills, which is just a, a part of the curriculum everybody has to go through when they, when they take uh, high school science classes. I see. And so and that makes sense for the for the first game that you mentioned. It sounds more like really inspiring kids for a love of chemistry versus, hey, let's, you know, uh, a specific curriculum alignment, which which I think makes a lot of sense and, and has to be super valuable. And if we could back up to Lexico, you, so you mentioned that encourages uh, a love of literature and reading. Can you tell us more about how it works and how, how it achieves that? Yeah, so Lexico is fascinating. Now, first, one thing I do want to say is Lexico is currently, unfortunately, not presently available, and that's kind of a long story. We're hoping one day uh, it's going to be able to come back again. Um, the, I guess the, the short version of that story is the Amplify Learning Company. They initially were focused on junior high through tablets. That was their vision, a curriculum on tablets in junior high. They, they realized that tablets were a problem and junior high wasn't the right entry point for them. They ended up pivoting and moving towards K through three with a focus on Chromebooks, which of course ended up being completely different content. And they are now moving forward with that. But uh, still, I, I like to talk about Lexica because we learned so much doing it. And for the schools it was deployed in, it really did seem to have um, a meaningful uh, effect. It was um, the concept of it was uh, an engaging RPG that was meant to be done not part of a curriculum but it's after-school content for students to explore on their own. And it was a, a, a fascinating world that approached the idea of why. So it was addressing the problem of some students become lifelong readers and some don't. And the branch point seems to be junior high, because in elementary school, almost everybody does some amount of reading for pleasure. But something happens in junior high where some people continue to and some people stop. And so the whole point of the project was for us to figure out what are the reasons that people stop and to try and make a game that will overcome that. And so the game really is addressing something like eight different reasons that people um, stop reading. Some of it is social reasons. They have a perception that their friends don't read. Some of it is that there are some students who fall behind the curve in terms of vocabulary. And so books that are kind of appropriate for their age are hard for them to read, so they stop reading. Um, other people just don't find content that's interesting to them. Many different reasons. And so the game was all about a world of uh, literature and about a, a fascinating conflict where the idea is that characters start coming out of books because a... a uh, Boy, this it's a long story. This is almost a hard story to tell because there's, there's a concept of these magical librarians that every time a book is written in here in the real world, like kind of like there's this virtual library of Congress in this other dimension that keeps track of all the books. And this, uh, th this is kind of the fiction of the world, and the idea is that the, the, the people running that world started to feel like um, human beings weren't respecting books enough. So they started trying to make them harder and harder for people to get into. And uh, so the, the whole concept of it is that the characters in the books are all going to die because people aren't reading books the way they used to. 
And so we kind of engaged in this in this large drama about where you get to know all these characters from literature, and you're helping them. You're helping uh, overthrow this uh, tyrannical library. So it was, it was a it was a fascinating project, and it broke it. We we all the different parts of it were about different uh, aspects of um, improving reading skills. See, I love I love this notion of those those eight elements, and I'd love to hear more, or, or even maybe I can even put them in the show notes. We can talk later because to give parents those eight rationales of why some kids go on to be lifelong readers and some don't, because parents ask me that all the time, and I would even say from a standardized test perspective, if we're trying to ramp up students' abilities to do well in reading comprehension sections, just being a lifelong reader is probably the most important thing, if not the second most important thing, other than just strong, steady prep. So that's that's really interesting, uh, especially right yep. now in the midst of the the current coronavirus pandemic. What have you noticed in terms of traffic and and parent, whether it's parents or schools, in terms of u- usage of your educational products? What have what have you noticed? Uh, we've certainly noticed that people are definitely looking for more educational content they can use at home. We've taken a few steps in that direction. Um, for anybody who happens to have virtual reality headsets at home, we've made all of our uh, educational content free um, in that regard. We have our, our Water Bears VR game, which is a systems thinking game, is available. Hollow Lab Champions, which is our chemistry lab VR game, is available. Uh, even our Water Bears systems thinking game just on iPad and iPhone. We've made that free as well for the, for the duration. So people are definitely looking for more content. The, the thing, the funny one, the one that we really noticed, um, all of our games have gotten a little bit of an uptick since the uh, quarantine began. But the one that by far got the biggest uptick was Daniel Tiger's Stop and Go Potty Potty Training Game. Uh, apparently, uh, potty training became a greater priority for a lot of parents uh, once the quarantine began. <laughs> that's really interesting. Uh, okay, that that says something, I suppose, about what's going on in in, in homes all across the country. That makes sense. Uh, and then. What would you say to parents right now who are listening and they say, okay, I want to check this out. I want to get some content anywhere for, let's say, primarily middle and high school. What, how do they, what's their first step and, and how do they go about choosing the right game and, and for the right subject matter and so on? Yeah, boy, it's, uh, I, I wish I could say it's easy, but it's not easy. It's, uh, it, and it all depends on what you're looking for and, um, and the space that you're looking in. You have to look thoughtfully, um, because uh, there is no real central clearinghouse for finding the right content. There are a few different ones. I think Common Sense Media has some good information um, about that, and there are one or two more. I could probably hit you with links you can, you can uh, connect people with after the show. But mostly you have to do a kind of a thoughtful search. Um, Internet searches are a great way to begin it, but you've got to look at what people are saying about these things and these pieces of content because um, some things are going to be on mobile. Some things are going to be browser-based. Some things are going to be PC downloads. There are going to be a lot of different um, uh, ways you can get this content. Some of it's going to be free and some of it's going to be pay. And, And then, of course, you know, good content is relative. It's all relative to the person who's using it. Is it, is it relevant for them at this particular point in time? Um, so it, it definitely takes some time. And um, 
and social networks of teachers are often, I think, the best ways um, to to connect. I, I definitely encourage everybody to, you know, all parents to consider reaching out to uh, the, their, you know, the teachers and kind of say, hey, you know, can you do you have advice about what are the things that are going to be appropriate for what you know about my kids? Because very often, you know, this this, this isn't. I look at this as an opportunity for parents and teachers to connect in ways they don't normally um, get to, um, and and I think that can be a great way to uh, take a step forward, learn about more content, and build a great relationship between parents and teachers at the same time. Yeah, and I think this is a great opportunity as well for parents and schools and teachers to really see what's out there in the world of ed tech. There is so there's for a long time, actually, I think there's been so much good stuff out there that maybe people hadn't fully explored simply because they they were a bit enmeshed in the traditional roots of routes of education, which is fine. But now people were, were, were sort of for, thrown into the mix and relying on, on games like yours or relying on even YouTube videos or different things to teach kids. And it does the job amazingly well, if not even uh, better in a lot of cases than traditional classroom style teaching uh, a lot of cases, actually. So I think there's a bit, a really big silver lining. And even after we emerge uh, from this, which I know we will, uh, you know, hopefully soon, uh, I think that the education world will will be forever changed in a in a very very positive way. So it's it's definitely exciting. And in terms of shell games and what's on the horizon, what are what what would you say are some of the things or or a particular game that you're most excited about that is on the horizon? Uh, yeah, certainly in the educational space, one that we're uh, we've been doing some work on and. Uh, uh, should be coming out sometime in 2020 is, is another one of our virtual reality games. It's a game called uh, History Makers VR. And the idea of it is it's a different way to use uh, virtual reality. Instead of exploring a world, in this case, you put on the headset and you become a historical figure. And you're, you become a historical figure who is in a television studio. And you have uh, the idea is now you can do a performance as this figure. So it's designed very much for uh, to be, you know, it can be used in a, in a classroom setting so that you, the idea might be that maybe you're going to prepare a speech that you might give as, say, um, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman or Benjamin Franklin or um, one of the other figures that we have in here. You can upload the speech. You're, you will have a You'll have a teleprompter. You can arrange your scene and your setting and your and uh, and the props and things that are around you. And now you can do this uh, performance. And then when you're done with it, it uploads. You, you, it exports a video. And now you now you have a video of you as this kind of animated version of uh, of this historical figure. And the the thing that we like about it is it. Um, it doesn't really attempt to teach about these figures. That's meant to kind of happen outside. But it allows for meaningful perspective taking because when you step literally into the shoes of these people and you look down and you have, you're wearing their clothes and you have their skin and you look in the mirror and you are them, it's hard not to take these figures more seriously. It forces a special kind of perspective taking. And part of the reason we put such a focus on video creation is because that's so culturally relevant. It's such an important part of modern literacy to be able to make good and interesting videos. And um, students 
quickly respond to that. They, they're, they're very interested in making interesting videos. And so here's a tool where they can do that and at the same time explore historical figures at the same time. So we're pretty excited about History Makers VR. Yeah, and I think that's so true. I mean, look, I, I, I have a YouTube channel for now four years, and I'm, I'm creating content all the time. I think it's such a powerful way to teach, and, and it's going to just become more and more relevant and powerful, I think, even more so in the, in, the, in the next three to five years. So it's such a great skill. Absolutely. I think that's incredible. Plus, I, I imagine that has to be fun to see your classmates sort of take on this this virtual form of, of another person. So that, that's really cool. Uh, Jesse, I really want to thank you for coming on today and, and talking about all this stuff. Very exciting, very relevant. And hopefully for, for parents and teachers alike who are listening, now you have this great resource of an abundance of educational games that you can peruse and check out and potentially implement. And Jesse, if people are listening and they want to check out Shell Games, how do they do that? It's easy. Just go to shellgames.com. We have information about all our games and everything that we do. All right. And guys, if you missed that, well, it's a podcast, so you can rewind. But if you don't want to rewind, just go to our website, scalarlearning.com. Go to the podcast section. And all the relevant links shall be in the show notes. And make sure to check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search for Scalar Learning. We've got tons and tons of new SAT math and now even reading videos as well. And don't be disheartened by the fact that the June SAT was just canceled. The College Board has already outlined a lengthy plan of what's going to go down in the fall. They added a September date. Everything is going to be all good. Stay on it. Keep practicing. Uh, keep studying hard it's going to be just fine uh, for you guys who are graduating in 2021 make sure to check back for new episodes of the scalar learning podcast as well every monday thank you so much and i'll see you next time take it easy scalar learning